even though the best player in baseball was a free agent this offseason and ended up signing a ridiculous $700 million contract with absurd deferrals, this offseason, like so many, too many in recent years, has been a total snooze fest, but we've got an idea on how to fix it. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspic, and on the show, we provide episodes three days a week for now, uh, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I am a lifelong fan of this team. Thanks for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day, uh, three days a week for now, five days a week, 10 months out of the year. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Check us out there uh, if you haven't already, and please hit that subscribe button wherever it is that you're following the show. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. And coming up on today's show, it is part two of my conversation with Millard from LockedOn D-Backs. We spoke for over an hour, and I aired the first half of that conversation yesterday. And here's part two, um, where we're going to get into how to fix, an idea at least, on how to fix the MLB offseason, which is a bore compared to other sports, and just frankly, doesn't matter even how it compares to other sports. This is an entertainment business, and the MLB offseason is straight up boring. And we're also going to break down the NL West. It's a complicated division. Yes, you've got the Dodgers, but where do the D-backs stand? They went to the World Series. Where do the Padres stand uh, with all that talent, but then offloading a lot of it? And then where do the Giants stand and what do they have to do to kind of get back into that mix and where are they with the moves they've already made? So without further delay, uh, we're going to jump into those topics with Millard from Lockdown D-backs next. I feel like the biggest issue on the table right now is the, is the slowness and the boring mm-hmm. nature of the MLB offseason and that we've got to think of a way to fix it because I do not believe that it benefits anybody, not anybody, not teams, not players, and certainly not fans. Like if you're a fan, if you're a fan of a team and, and you're like following the off season, it's like torture. You're just like, like it's, it's slow. It's like, it drags on and just like days and days go by and nothing happens. And it's because there's no, deadline and so teams and players feel like they can just wait each other out and kind of wait for that wait for somebody to to kind of you know you're playing chicken with each other for three four months five months even and like the like the year when Bryce Harper and Manny Machado didn't sign forever and they were like 25 year old studs best like top 10 players yeah and, and like, there's no uh, Bryce Harper didn't sign until late February. It's like, yeah. and it wasn't even a crazy contract looking back on it. I mean, it looks super reasonable compared to some of the, 
I mean, it was 13 years, three three thirty, which you yeah. know every team in baseball would would want a piece of that now. I feel like not every yeah, team he, would pay it, but yeah, he turns uh, into the best player in the sport when the postseason turns on. It's like, what yeah. is that? Not what you pay for a superstar? Like, wouldn't you want Bryce Harper? Like, would isn't that what you pay a superstar for? Like, whatever the contract is, like to come in and just smash home runs and put the fear god in pitchers when you're at the plate. Like, I know as a D-backs fan, at one point in the NLCS, after like game one and game two, where he like let off both games with a home run, I'm like. Can we just not pitch him the rest of the season or the rest of the series? Like, I don't care if Schwarber goes off. I don't care if Brandon Marsh or JT Ramuto go off. But, like, we cannot let Bryce Harper kill us. Like, I would rather walk him with the bases loaded, uh, nobody out, than, put, than, than pitch to Bryce Harper because that's how scary um, he was. But the idea of a deadline is kind of interesting because we do that with the foreign players when they post. Uh, I've never really right. thought about that. But I would be kind of interested if it's like, you know, Six weeks before spring training, all free agents have to sign or they have to, I don't know, wait until this day of the regular season to sign or something. I think that would be kind of interesting because there has to be a way to move the offseason quicker because you look at like the NBA, like 70% of free agents are signed within the first week of the NBA because teams and agents and players are talking before free agency even starts. Like maybe we need to add more tampering in major league baseball. Maybe there's not (laughs) enough tampering going on beforehand because everyone's already signed. Like as soon as free agency starts the NBA, you see like 80 deals happen. It's like, how did you negotiate terms before free agency even started? How was that allowed? So maybe we need a little bit more tampering going on in the MLB offseason. But one thing that I have discussed in my pod bend, I want to maybe throw out to you real quick since you threw the, the deadline idea at me. I kind of wouldn't hate the idea of doing like term limits on contracts. Like say you could only sign Otani to a five-year max deal. Maybe there's not a, 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 a limit on how much he can make annually, but I kind of don't like the 10-year plus deals because I kind of want to see Otani hit the market again. I want to see Yamamoto hit the market again. I kind of don't like the idea of one player just signing with a team for the next two decades. Like I kind of want to see these guys hit free agency every five to six years because I think that would also add to the intrigue of free agency if every year was like the last couple of years where you had all these loaded shortstops and you had all these pitchers, uh, you know, the, the pitching class has been really good too. I just want to see more star players in the pool and I think signing these 10-year plus deals, I, I think that kind of hurts the sport a little bit too. Just from like an off-season, you know, off-the-field engagement uh with the fans and the and the teams yeah my my first thought on that is like when the the way the system is set up though is that the players don't reach free agency usually until they're around 30 right and so if you put like a five-year limit then they would it would really hurt players i think because then they they would reach free agency at an age at which the teams would no longer for the vast majority of them like if you're 35, unless you're like Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, and some rare others, Otani, uh, you're prob- they're not going to offer you a lot. And so you do a lot better for yourself as a player. I think getting that's why they end up getting these long term deals is because if they took a sh- like a five year deal, if like in the open market, if they took a five year deal, they would definitely, I think, be leaving money on the table. And so then you'd probably want to push free agency earlier, which is something the players would love, like instead mm-hmm. of having to wait for six years of service time, like this was something they wanted in the last CBA was to push it forward to like five years of service time instead of six to reach free agency. 
Um, but the the league like considers that a non-starter. And so it's hard because these two sides like are, you know, I don't want to say enemies, but they're very much, they have conflicting uh, incentives. And the one thing I want to add about the the deadline is because I've thought about this a lot and and I feel kind of dumb because I've never come to this idea on my own that I heard on a podcast. To be fair, it was someone who is very smart and involved in baseball who mentioned the idea on the podcast. And that's, you know, the president of baseball operations for the Giants, Farhan Zaidi, um, said recently on a podcast that I was listening to, uh, you know, it, he was kind of asked about the slow off season, right? And what he mentioned was having like a three or four week deadline, just kind of throwing out the amount of time, could be f- five, six weeks, whatever, but for multi-year deals, Let me tell our listeners about this little thing that's really important to your everyday health called Jace Medical because I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. This is scary. I can't imagine more helpless feeling than a significant other dealing with the supply chain issue that kept them from life-saving medication that they desperately needed. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinuses, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your phys- and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use off code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. A deadline for multi-year deals. And so that way it doesn't like lock players out if they miss out on the deadline. Because I've always thought like, I just, you can't have a deadline because I feel like you, you can't give the player, you can't have the players give up that much leverage where like, Mm -hmm. if they don't sign, they just like can't sign. I feel like that's too much to give up. But if it's a deadline for multi-year deals, uh, the players still probably wouldn't want to go for that. But at the same time, Zaidi did mention that he brought it up, you know, with agents who obviously are, are on the player's side. And he said he hasn't heard a lot of pushback because they are in the same boat where they don't feel like this waiting game is really benefiting everybody, anybody. And for anyone who's pushing back on me listening, like you mentioned, there's deadlines for these international players. They've got these for Korean players right now. It's 30 days from when they get posted. And and the Japanese posting window is now 45. It was 30, but it's now 45. But like you look at Yamamoto, he got the largest ever contract for a pitcher, topping Garrett Cole by 1 million. And you look at Jung-Hoo Lee and you look at the preseason or pre-offseason expectations for what his contract would be. And then what he ultimately got, and it exceeded it by quite a lot. And so 
to me, if you look at these contracts that these guys with deadlines are getting, they're not leaving money on the table. It's just simply forcing the action. And so I think something like that, like would be so good for the sport because it is an entertainment business and you want, I feel like fans hate the off season and that's not good for the game. And it's, and, and I don't think the teams like it. The agents don't like it and the fans don't like it. You and I as fans and as like reporters or whatever we are, don't like it. And so that's the best idea I've heard because then, you know, guys who miss out on that multi-year deal, they can still sign and get a huge one-year deal. You know, like that's the thing mm-hmm. if, like if, if somehow Otani like didn't get that multi-year deal he wanted because it wasn't 700 million or whatever. Imagine how much he'd make on a one-year deal because there'd be so much competition. It's like we can get this guy uh, without the long-term risk. Um, so I, I still feel like players would get huge paydays even on one year deals. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. Certain players would probably be hurt by it, but for the vast majority of players, I think supply and demand would kind of play out and they would probably end up getting essentially their market value anyway. And I don't know much about the NBA and the NFL and like the free agency. I've heard what you said a thousand times. I don't follow it nearly as closely, but that sounds so much more exciting. And, and people have said to me like, well, well, you know, what's the difference? Because then you just have to wait the rest of the off season. Once all the activity happens, you just sit around and wait. But the difference is you get excited about your team. You know, Christmas comes around, you could buy the jerseys of the players Mm. that you got and, and you you just kind of go into season mode and start thinking about the team that you've built versus like agonizing over what are they going to do for four months? And yeah. maybe they do something like, big, but you suffered like the, all the way up to the point where they do something. Yeah, because we're still like four days out of spring training and so many teams are still incomplete. So you don't even know like the exact roster that you're going to have going to next season. But like Not in the NBA... Close. Yeah, after in the NBA, after like two weeks of free agency, you're like, my team's like already locked in. Like maybe you make one more trade or something, maybe like a little signing, but like all the big pieces, they're already locked into place. So it's like you can kind of plan better for the future and kind of like for our podcast too, it might be a little bit better, uh, you know, planning if we knew who's going to be on the team, uh, you know, locked in for the foreseeable future. So I like that idea a lot of the deadline because if I'm a guy like Aaron Judge and it's like, I want to go back to the Yankees, but maybe we're at a stalemate on the contract. Maybe I'm like, you know what? Out of spite, I'm going to go sign with the San Francisco Giants one year, $50 million. Then I'm going to renegotiate with them in the middle of the season. So I do think that's a, a pretty fun idea and hopefully we could get something implemented to speed up this MLB offseason. But Ben, you know, we talked a lot about the offseason so far in today's podcast. I want to ask you, you know, with the Dodgers and the D-backs and the Giants, who we think is going to take the NL West crown in 2024 and what other moves do you think your team still might need to make this offseason to potentially win the NL West next season? And if you think the D-backs or the Giants might win the NL West next year, why not go to FanDuel Sportsbook and place a little futures bet down because the NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers could get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's it. 
That's 150 bucks in bonus bets. Win or lose. The app is so easy to use. There's so many different ways to bet, like live live same game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, and more. My favorite thing to do is a same game parlay. Whenever the Lakers are playing a mediocre or below 500 team, I take Anthony Davis over in points, AD over in rebounds, and the Lakers money line. Now, let me tell you that third leg of the parlay hasn't been hitting as recently, but when it does, I love seeing money go into my pocket. And if you want the same feeling, go visit fanduel.com, fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. Fanduel, official partner of the NFL. And we are back here with Ben Kaspik of Locked on Giants wrapping up the podcast. One more segment to go. And I want to talk about the NL West, Ben, because, you know, the Dodgers have spent some money this offseason. The D-backs, we see the Giants, they signed the, the, you know, the most expensive foreign player ever, brought in former D-back friend Robbie Ray. Like, how are you feeling about the NL West right now? How do you like how it's going to shake up? Do you have any strong predictions for what the division might be next year? Do you think the Padres potentially could be a sneaky under the radar team? What's your feeling right now in the NL West? Well, you mentioned earlier the Dodgers. You can't wait for the you know discourse once they win 130 games and then yeah. you know get swept in the first round or whatever. So I'm with you on that. Like I think uh, you'd have to be taking crazy pills not to pick the Dodgers to win the NL West, and and we've been doing this for several years now. And I feel like that's been the story pretty much every year is when we do our you know roundtable with the other hosts of the of the division. It's oh, always yeah. been the Dodgers, except, you know, they're, they're actually last year, I take it back, there were quite a few Padres picks and just goes to show what how unpredictable this game is. And so as it stands now, I think the Dodgers are far and away the top team in the division. It's not remotely close. The Padres are an interesting team because they're they's they're subtracting, you know, like they had all these stars and people thought they would compete with the Dodgers, but you know, they traded Juan Soto and Blake Snell is a free agent. Josh Hader is a free agent and you Darvish is like 38 years old all of a sudden. And (laughs) so, and he signed for like a million more years, which is crazy. Padres could be in trouble. I mean, they're a team that definitely could, uh, have some problems down the road. And I did say that actually going into last year, but, um, and then you've got, I think again, like once again, the D backs and the giants kind of live in a similar realm. They're not like similar teams in, in the way they play um, and, and the style of play, but Hey, look, like you said, the D backs <laughs> won 84 games. The giants won 79. It's not like there was a huge difference. I there. guess that's true. And the giants fell apart in the last two weeks. Like, I don't, I don't know if you remember, but the giants held on to playoff spot for, I mean, the D backs fell apart too in the middle of the Yeah, season. we did. Yeah, we did. For Big a while time. There. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, around we the all-star break. Yeah. We were like yeah. one of the worst teams in baseball for like a six week stretch there. Yeah. And it was looking like, okay, like D-backs went down, Giants were coming up, and it and unfortunately the season season continued a little bit longer than I would have liked. I would have liked to stop the count at around 140 games, but instead yeah. we played 162 and, and things went real south for the Giants. D-backs got hot. Um, but I just continue to feel like both of our teams 
I don't know. The D-backs probably, I think they look like like an above 500 team and, and a wild card contender, but I don't see them as like a 95 win team, most likely, you know, but somewhere in that 84 to 90 or 88, I don't know. I'm just mm. throwing out numbers. They're pretty good. Mm. They're pretty good. And, and, you know, young players getting better, which is part of it with them. Um, with the Giants, I think they have work to do. Like I don't if if the, if they're done now, then I would definitely have them below the D-backs, and it's the Padres are like this total enigma to me because they had Soto, they had Hader, they had Snell winning the Cy Young Award, and they still were an eighty-two and eighty team. They won three more games than the Giants. Like it kind of doesn't make sense. Um, and then you lose all those players. But I think they massively underperformed. Like their record in one run games was crazy bad. Their record in extra innings was insanely bad. And so I, th- I anticipate just kind of natural improvement for them just by kind of, if they were to like replay the season, I feel like they win like 10 more games. Like they just had, they just had a weird season with all the talent they had, but then they lose a lot of guys. And I don't know if they're done yet. And so as it stands now, Dodgers. I mean, I might be. It might be time to pick the D backs in second place for me. Might um, be time, yeah. Better and be it might, time, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they did go to the World Series after all. Um, yeah. But hey, I think the Giants are not done, and I wouldn't. I I would not be surprised if they go out and sign another player or two for a hundred plus million dollars this off season. Like the like the top four, the Boris four, Snell, Montgomery. Matt Chapman, Cody Bellinger. I, I see them getting at least one of those guys. And, and we can go back and roll the tape if I'm wrong and call me out on it. But I still think that they need to do that in order to stay competitive here. Otherwise, they, they're they looking like, you know, depending on how the Padres do, a fourth place team. And I think we know poor Paul Holden and his Rockies are going to project in last. Yeah. So, but yeah, but so. with that being said, I want to hear what you have to say about all that including on the Giants and and uh the Padres and and your D-backs. Yeah, I mean Dodgers will give them the division for now. I mean, on paper they're going to be loaded. Um D-backs, I think we got to lock them into number 2. Coming off the World Series appearance, address the third base, Brock back Guriel, signed Erod to number 3 and honestly, if we get one more bat because Mike Hazen has talked about adding one more bat, one more DH, and J.D. Martinez has been linked all over to the D-backs. Like, if we get him, I think that's a cherry on top to the offseason. You got your rotation locked in one through four. Your lineup's going to have, like, Carroll, Marte, Walker, Suarez, uh, maybe J.D., maybe are you going to have more Reyno in there. Like, I think they're legit could be, like, seven deep. So, I really do like this D-backs team a lot, but I, I don't need us to win 95 games and they probably won't. Like, I just want to be the Philadelphia Phillies, win 85 to 88 games, and then just be built for the postseason because I think this D backs team is built more for the playoffs than they are for the regular season, which I think is all that matters. Like, you could go out there and win 115 games in the regular season, but if you flame out like the Braves or Dodgers in the postseason, like, no one is going to remember the 162 game marathon that you had to go through. All they're going to remember is the heartbreak at the end of the season. So, I would mm-hmm. much rather just be 88 wins and just get into the dance and then see what happens from there. The Giants, 
I mean, I definitely think they need to add a couple of those players that you uh, that you talked about. Um, for me, it just depends on how that young talent progresses next season because I like Logan Webb. I like a couple other players in their lineup, but if the young talent doesn't improve, if they don't continue to develop, like it doesn't really matter who you sign in the offseason because you need those foundational pieces that you guys develop internally uh, to take you to the next level. So right now, the Giants, I, I wouldn't say I love them on paper, but I don't think they're going to be bad because I never like the Giants on paper and then they're always a 500 team or better. So they will probably be better <laughs> than my expectations level for them heading to the season. And the Padres, I think, are the biggest wild card potentially heading to next season because if they're bad by the trade deadline, like that could be a full tear down rebuild where it's like the only guy you're keeping is Tatis and who knows about everyone else on that roster. Like you might even look at Manny Machado trades. You might look at Bogarts and Darvish and Musgrove. Like, I don't know. Like it could get really dangerous for that Padre situation because reports were coming out the end of this past season that they were taking out loans just to meet the payroll and stuff like that. So like, uh, the way that they built this thing has been so crazy, like giving the money to Bogarts instead of re-signing Juan Soto, trading all that for Juan Soto just to trade him once again. Like uh, yeah. the Padres are kind of a mess right now. And of course, the Rockies, I mean, uh, Nolan Jones, he's good. They got a couple of interesting young guys like Nolan Jones, actually a lot better than I realized. Yeah. I had a crossover Paul Holden like a month ago and he put me on to Nolan Jones. I looked at those numbers. I was like, damn, all right, this guy might be a legit stud that they have here. But the rest of that roster, uh, I don't know. So I definitely have Dodgers, number one, D-backs, number two, as a as a playoff wildcard contender, like you said. And then the Giants, like you never know. They could be sneaky. I just think. The NL is actually kind of deep. When you look at the Braves, the Marlins are sneaky. Uh, the Phillies are, of course, going to be there. The Central, I mean, that's going to be pretty weak. But the NOS will probably send at least two teams to the postseason. And maybe mm-hmm. if the Giants are lucky, maybe they could be that third team that gets sent um, to the playoffs. How do you feel about that? You like that? I mean, it could be four, right? Because you get the division winner and then you get three wildcard teams. But yeah, I don't see that happening because, <laughs> like you said, the Phillies and the I feel like I would think so the Marlins they they had crazy like they're kind of the inverse Padres last year where they had an extremely good record in one run games and I believe they also had a negative run differential um and they're kind of a frustrating team this offseason just real real quick because it's like there's talks like they're out on Jorge Soler, who was a monster for them last year. And it's like, we know offense is like the only thing that they need because they're like six, seven deep in that rotation with like dudes under 25, but yet they don't want to spend money on players who are good for them this past year. Like, I just don't understand that philosophy. I don't understand uh, firing their executive. I thought it was the executive of the year last year, Kim. So uh, I don't know what's going on in Marlins world right now. Yeah, that's the thing about the Marlins is they always tend to kind of shoot themselves in the foot even when things are going well. Like historically they've they've put together they've like finally built good teams and then it's this isn't what they've done now, but then they like traded trade away a bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of took a step back, but I feel like what am the Mets, I mean the, you can't sleep on the Mets either with their well, they did trade away like a lot of guys, but still, I feel like yeah. you can't you can't totally throw them out as a team that could. They've still got some talent, you know. They got Lindor, Pete Alonso. Uh, starting rotation kind of makes me scratch my head a little bit after you lose uh, Scherzer and Verlander, but uh, yeah, I mean for the Giants, they just they basically want. You, that's a great point. 
by the way, about the young talent. Like they, that is a hundred percent right that they need. And the thing is, they've got some guys. Like they've got some guys who have arrived in the major leagues who are pretty high end prospects. Mm-hmm. Probably, you know, not household names, but guys who debuted in the major leagues this year. We're talking like twenty one year olds who have really high upside, like. Kyle, like, who's Harris. the guy we should like? Who, yeah, who's the guy that we should be on the lookout for? That's the young. I, I would, I'm saying Kyle Harrison. This is a starting pitcher, left-handed pitcher. Kind of like, I mean, I don't want to throw unfair comps out there, but like, kind of like Carlos Rodon, Chris Sale type mold, where you're talking okay. power lefty, like overpowering fastball. Maybe a little Robbie Ray in him with some command being being like a problem at times. Uh, for him, but if he can, you know, just throw strikes, he can be completely dominant. And he's 21 years old. He may be 22 at this point, but he has the potential to. And and they actually have a lot of arms, probably not of that same like front line starter potential, but like you know, good pitcher. Like look up, you know, Tristan Beck kind of quietly had had some pretty good numbers for them, and and. just performed well if you just watched him pitch he pitched well and then you've got like a 21 or 22 year old Luis Matos who a lot of people had as like a top 15 prospect by the time he arrived if you look at his triple a numbers they're just off the charts and Marco Luciano like there's actually quite a few guys and Patrick Bailey I guess he's not really a rookie anymore um but you know, he he became like a total stud defensively, but but Kyle Harrison is the guy to watch. And hey, Jung Hu Lee is also a rookie, so they've they've yeah. got they've got several. Like it, this is Maria Guardado of MLB.com covers the Giants. She said, uh, you know, like a hot take was like a Giant winning Rookie of the Year this year, and I think that that's a that's a pretty solid like hot take because they've got some guys and and like you said i think that is the key for them if 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 one or two of those guys break through and become really good players hopefully even more than that like logan webb kind of came out of nowhere mm. by the way to yeah. become like one of the best pitchers in the game not a lot of people knew who he was either before they developed him into what he is now but look out for Kyle Harrison he'll he'll probably be in that opening day rotation he's nasty when he's on, he's about he he looks like untouchable and he's he's super young. All right, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. Every dayers tomorrow on the show, I want to be uh, I'm going to be breaking down the Giants uh settling with three players who are arbitration eligible, reaching uh new deals with Tyro Estrada. Uh, Lamont Wade Jr. and Tyler Rogers. They did not reach an agreement with J.D. Davis. What does that mean? Um, And also getting to some mailbag questions. And if there's any activity for the Giants, uh, we'll get to that as well. So anyway, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out tremendously. So thank you in advance. And thank you so much to everyone who's done so already. Uh, thanks again for listening. You are now, and 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 I can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. You are now locked on Giants.